poser quest where anything goes and it's the best. Sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's blue, but all in all, it's a part of you. Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minnesota, Charlie McCarran, and this podcast is my way of sharing songwriting and composing advice from all sorts of creative people. You can find every episode at ComposerQuest.com, or you can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. In today's episode, we get to learn all about music therapy. Angela Johnson has been working mostly at nursing homes with people who have Alzheimer's and dementia, and over the summer, she worked with them to write songs and put out a CD. We'll get to hear some of those songs, and we'll also get to hear some of Angela's own beautiful songs. It was a fascinating talk for me, and kind of hit home when Angela talked about her Alzheimer's patients, since my grandpa suffered from that and passed away last winter. It was interesting to hear Angela's perspective on dealing with death on a regular basis, and how she musters the energy to stay positive as a music therapist. So let's get right into my talk with Angela Johnson. My body dances, water comes to life. Angela, mm-hmm. welcome to Composer Quests. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So it was really fun hearing your concerts this summer in the, the Mandos. Yep. Mm-hmm. How did that band start? Well, our band leader, Pete, wanted to start a bluegrass band. And I had been itching to be in a band for a little while. And um, he'd have people meet after church every Saturday. And finally, we had a couple of regulars. And that became our group. been playing your own songs for a while and writing your own songs yeah yep I've been musical my whole life but I actually had a German exchange student in high school and when she left I was really sad and it was the first experience I'd had with such deep sadness and I felt like I needed to express that through a song and I wanted to write a song for her and Believe me, it was terrible. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a good first song, but it got the point across and um, thus started my kind of path of songwriting. So your German exchange student song, was that, that was in English, I'm assuming? Yes. And... <laughs> uh, it was mostly about how I was just so sad and um, I... I couldn't bear to let her go. Actually, I might have some of the words here. All right. <laughs> Let's get it out. That is a massive catalog. Yep. Are those all originals? Most, yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few copies, <laughs> too. Ah, <laughs> uh, here it is. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I think I still remember part of the melody. I hold you close to my heart And I pray you'll never leave But I know that soon you'll have 
to go And how my heart will grieve The times we shared, the lessons we learned Stay with us forever But the day I'll stop missing you is never and then hold on to me now i never want to let you go these tears i cry are meant for you and i'll never let you go so that's wow <laughs> that was that's nice oh <laughs> I, I think people would be lucky to say that's their first song oh <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know, you know, you're always critical of your own work. Uh, I'd say with any songwriting, you just have to kind of go for it and try things out, even if you end up saying stupid words at first, because <laughs> there's always the ability to edit, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe we could talk about your music therapy a yeah. little bit. Yeah, how did you get started uh, being interested in music therapy? Good question. Um, basically, since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a famous singer. But um, I didn't really think that was possible <laughs> when I was getting older. And I also had no desire to be a teacher. I think teachers are amazing, but I wasn't one to want to lead a big group, I guess. So when I was a junior I believe in high school I heard about music therapy and right away I was like this seems like something I would want to do and even just for long term I also was I had the mind of I I wanted to help others and I thought that was such a cliche thing but um but I actually did want to help others uh and another thing a third factor was my mom started working with kids with special needs as a music special education teacher. And so I've gone in and helped her out with some of the choreography or singing some of the songs with the kids, playing instruments. And just seeing the joy that music brought those kids was such an inspiration for me. I was like, I need to do this. I need to bring joy to people's lives. And so I... Applied to the University of Minnesota. Um, I only applied there. <laughs> Basically because I didn't want to write an essay. <laughs> and they, that was the only place that didn't require it? Or? Yeah, yeah. To, like, write an essay with your application. That's how lazy I was in high school. Um, and I'd heard they had um, the music therapy program, and it was everything and more than I imagined and for that program, you have to do some practicums, which basically means you go to different facilities where they have music therapy. So I went to a children's hospital. I went to long-term care. Um, I went and worked on an Alzheimer's unit, and then I worked with kids with autism in the music therapy clinic that they have at the U. And all of them were wonderful experiences. And I, I actually thought that... I would love to work in a children's hospital. But when I got there, I, I froze up. I didn't, it just wasn't my calling. But that's the beauty of music therapy is it really calls all different types of 
musicians and people who have the sole same purpose of wanting to help others and use their music to do so. So I, I felt a strong calling with the geriatric population and did my internship at Woodbury Healthcare Center, which is where I'm currently at. Um, when yeah. I finished my internship, it was about a month and a half after, and then they called me and said they had a position. That's uh, cool. Yeah. So when I started, I wor- started working with Alzheimer's and dementia, which I had no training in. <laughs> but I really think that you learn so much through experience. How do you use music differently with those different groups you're talking about? Like the mm-hmm. autistic children and mm-hmm. geriatric uh, people? Yeah. And- well, uh, number one, you use different songs. I mean, the children's songs would not be appropriate necessarily for the geriatric population unless it was like something they grew up with. For instance, You Are My Sunshine. <laughs> mm. That's pretty much a song that'll probably work in any setting. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Except for psychiatric wards. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so with the Children's Hospital, it was a lot of working on expression with them. Expression of their feelings being confined in this hospital. Some you know kids have been there for... Had to keep coming in for can- because they had cancer or... So they might have these built-up feelings that, as kids, you just you really don't know how to express oftentimes. And we would take the Itsy Bitsy Spider, and there's a book that has other verses to the Itsy Bitsy Spider. But after singing the song, you might ask, how do you think the spider felt when he fell down the spout again and again? And the, the child, most of the time, will answer based on their own feelings, but they'll answer saying, oh, the spider felt this, the spider felt this. So it's like this non-threatening way to get them, help them to express their feelings through a character. Cool. We call that a lyric analysis. Um, That can also be used in other settings too, like uh, in psych wards. I, I mean, I never did a practicum in a psych ward, but my professor was a psychiatric music therapist, and he'll do that with, you know, songs like Desperado and songs that they can relate with that they find interesting, and it's this non-threatening way that actually appeals them, too, to participate in group therapy. Um, In my experience with kids with autism, I worked with a boy but a chromosomal abnormality and his attention span was kind of the thing that was the most difficult. So one of the things I did was, have you played the game Bop It? Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, he, he loved that game. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do a Bop It, but on drums. Oh, nice. Um, so I put the labels of like kind of Bop It, you know, hit it whatever tap it um i put those on each each of the four drums and then i put it up on the chalkboard and i would tap to each one with a stick and he'd have to follow along and then the goal you know we were just how long can you do it for you know obviously and so that was working to increase his intention span and to increase his um i just to just improve his relationship with a 
like somebody in an authoritative position or like a teacher or, you know, even his family member giving him instructions. Mm. And what I noticed is that this kid was not able to focus as long if there was no background music. But if there was background music, um, his favorite background music was Disney. He would do it for quite a while. So Hmm. kind of interesting. I mean, music therapy is definitely in the making. They're constantly doing research just to kind of figure out new ways of practice. How long has music therapy field been around like officially if that can be yeah it's well i mean they like to say you know in the books um all the way from the beginning you know like when maybe harp music was played to relax somebody or even in like the bible i think it says um gosh solomon wasn't it solomon I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Had the harp played? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that sounds... Never mind, but... That sounds like it could I be mean, in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, but I would say it started becoming a thing um, in the 1940s after the war uh, when veterans would come back with post-traumatic stress disorder. And they had musicians in the hospitals to kind of just bring their spirits up and they realized that music was actually making an effect on these individuals in a positive way. And there became a need, I guess, for more training for the musicians when they'd go in. Well, what's the coolest experience you've had in your work as a music therapist? Can I name a couple? Sure. (laughs) So the first one was during my internship, we had to meet with about six or seven different residents throughout the nursing home who um for one-on-ones and i had this man um i can't say his name um i'll just call him tom tom usually stayed in bed most of the time well i would come in and i i decided to bring a drum one day and he man he just went to town just banging on that drum and i decided you know what i'm gonna bring this drum in and then I'm going to bring another instrument in next time. And then every time I went in, I added a few, (laughs) I added another instrument and he would play them all. Oh, geez. He was just so funny. And his favorite song was called Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. (laughs) (laughs) And we would just start singing that. And I'd kind of leave out maybe a word or two and I'd say, Hallelujah, I'm a, you know, and he'd sing bum and he'd, playing and well anyway um i had the privilege of meeting with him for about five months and then around christmas time he started declining and i mostly just kind of serenaded him with relaxing music after a while because he wouldn't really respond as much anymore Um, but a few days before he died i met with him and i decided to sing hallelujah bum and i left out the word bum and he muttered, he, he, he got the strength enough to say, bum. <laughs> <laughs> and it just brought me to tears. I was, you build a relationship with somebody through music, even if they don't respond with words. Oftentimes, you know that they're still receiving something from you. And you oftentimes receive something from them. It's kind of hard to explain, but 
each person is is very special who I've I've gotten to be with at the nursing home um, because they shape me. They shape who I am as a person. Um, and another cool thing was uh, when I was meeting with him. Uh, he died a few days later, but he he requested a big piece of pie <laughs> before he died, and he ate it all. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. And also, I got to play for his kind of um, at the nursing home. We do this thing called the butterfly program, and it's basically a way where staff can kind of walk out with the resident and have that closure. So we we put a butterfly blanket over the resident's um, body. And this chaplain and the funeral director carry them out. Um, and just before they leave, staff are all there, and, and the chaplain says a verse from the Bible, and then he also just says a final prayer. And the chaplain asked me to play a song. And so I, I decided to choose Battle Hymn of the Republic because he loved that one, and then Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. And it, <laughs> it was great because it got people laughing and and happy to have this person in their life and just able to remember the good times rather than the sadness that was maybe overwhelming them. And even the family members, too, started laughing. And so I think music therapy as a whole has been wonderful because I, I not only have gotten to relate with the residents but the families and kind of be a part of this very essential, very beautiful time in their lives where they're actively dying, but but it's just as important of a time as and as when you're youthful and you're jumping and <laughs> mm-hmm. doing great things. Yeah. Um, How do you find energies if you're like in a situation that's sad for you personally, like when you're mm-hmm. dealing with the people it's a good question um i don't i don't know if i've ever been horribly sad when a resident is is dying i'm more just i have this peace in me that that knows that they are going to be in a better place that things are going to be better for them and that i i always feel so privileged i guess it's hard to watch family members when they're sad but I think just the fact that I get to be there, um, yeah, it helps me. <laughs> I don't know. I think the worst parts are, are when I when I haven't gotten to be with the person before they die, or I don't get to see that change because it it kind of becomes surreal, and I I have to constantly fight against um, this person just becoming a piece of paper or a, a another progress note in the computer like I I'm constantly fighting against that because we have so much paperwork unfortunately um it's essential a little bit here and there but uh the person is not the paper I guess back to your question the things that are the hardest at the nursing home is is seeing them in distress when they're actively dying they're more peaceful it seems most of the time but kind of before the dying process I mean it's like hard to really section that off but there really is a like a an actual dying process 
but before that, they might have, especially people with Alzheimer's, um, be affected just by the deterioration of their brain tissue. Um, a lot of times they have increased behaviors such as maybe hitting, screaming, kicking. I mean, it's it all depends. Um, they could be this angel during the day and then right around 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock sundowner's time, the behaviors kind of start coming about and they can't help it. I mean, they... They don't even realize it sometimes. Um, and thankfully, I have a, a great team of, of staff who who are able to help me out. Um, and I mean, we help each other out uh, with just being able to calm the behaviors or, um, yeah, help them <laughs> as best as we can. And the times that are the most stressful are when, when you just can't help um, you done, you've done maybe everything you can, and, and you just kind of have to wait it out or reproach. or um, You just have to kind of take a deep breath and yep. <laughs> realize that, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. This is life. Life happens, and ultimately I'm doing everything I can. Mm-hmm. So... What kind of advice would you give to someone who's thinking about going into music therapy? Do it. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, I'd say that you have to kind of be in it for the people you're serving. You're not in it to just perform. That's being a performer. And you're not in it to... um, I mean, if you have the desire to really help somebody become... A better musician then obviously that's not really the right profession either so knowing your intentions with music um, if you have a strong desire to help people or work with a certain population by all means seek it out ask around about music therapy go email professors <laughs> um, and also with music therapy I mean you don't have to be this great outgoing person all the time I mean there's different populations for different personalities too i've always connected with the elderly um even when i was a young kid i would talk with my grandparents instead of talking with my cousins sometimes um because i loved hearing my grandpa's stories and i feel like i i just connect with them um it's kind of a create your own field but yet there's also enough that's been done now where if you're not the type of person that can just create your own job or start a private practice, you can do what I did and <laughs> and be have like a set position somewhere. Does it seem like there are enough jobs out there, like at places? And- yeah, actually, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was uh, definitely a concern when I was in college, but... Every single person who graduated from our program has gotten a job. Like at a nursing home, you can get hired on as a recreational therapist, which means you do all activities, but then you can do music therapy whenever you want. Otherwise, there's such a... One in 88 kids have autism, and so that's definitely also another demanding field. Um, Music therapy has just shown amazing um, results. So there's definitely more positions open with that. Um, You can work in schools, you can work in hospitals, 
you can work in a psych ward, you can work in a hospice. I think especially in hospice is is where music therapy jobs are opening up. Yeah, lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. So don't even worry about that. Okay, <laughs> if, that's cool. If I would tell anybody who's who's thinking about music therapy not to worry because you yeah it's just it's a profession where networking is like a huge part of of getting a job and even just by knowing your professors you know like they know people and mm-hmm. they know what you are like as a therapist and and are able to help you be placed in the right um setting as well so cool yeah so i was listening to some of the songs you sent Mm -hmm. um that you worked with um with the geriatric patients Mm -hmm. and yeah it's interesting hearing those recordings because like your song lonesome dog yeah (laughs) yeah you had them barking in the background and Mm -hmm. yeah yep Is that song based on Walk the Line? Or yeah. is that, I, it's to just, the tune of I Walk the Line. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah, so I did a su- summer songwriting series that, that was at um, Serenity, Marion of St. Paul. And I've just found that the way that they're able to express or, you know, just write words or come up with ideas for a song, it, it just seems to fall in line easier if I use a a familiar melody that they know. So yeah, I'd say, okay, first we got to come up with a topic. What do you want to sing about? And then secondly, I'd say, okay, now we got to pick a genre. And then finally, I would come up with a couple songs from that genre that I knew they would know. So then we wrote the song and they decided that they wanted to do some barking. (laughs) (laughs) I just really emphasized that they have a lot of wisdom. You know, throughout the years, they've they've lived through many joyful and difficult, sad experiences. So I just asked them, what, what do you want to say to the world? And that's where the song, Our Message of Peace, comes in. Um, and we wrote that to the tune, Blowing in the Wind. Now here's a message we'll sing to the world. Bring mankind his peace. Do not hesitate to hold out your hand and help your brother in need. Surrender your guns and your weapons down and hope for a better world to succeed. It has to be a way to bring the light of day. 
I just thought that was amazing because I was like, that's that's what songwriting is supposed to be, you know, not just sometimes it's good to songwrite and, and have fun and just come up with goofy things. But a lot of times it's like, OK, what are you experiencing here? I mean, this is a safe environment for you to to share that. And yeah, that's interesting because it's uh, not an age group that puts out too many albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we did a CD release party at, oh, nice. <laughs> at Woodbury. And um, I asked them, you know, what was this process like for you? And one resident said, you know, I never thought I would I would have written songs or had a CD. And I was like, yeah, I don't even have a CD. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are ahead of the game. But um, other people said that it was just a cool experience. And... The other staff at the nursing home get a this better sense of the person inside each of these residents rather than just the illness. You know, nurses directly take care of the illness. So bridging that gap was kind of a surprise out of this process that I didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have so, a mm-hmm. question for you from your bandmate. Pete Jensen. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was he going to say? So, well, we have a couple of questions, but okay. the first one is, uh, do your spiritual beliefs influence your music therapy? Yes, very much so. Oftentimes, there's been, you know, times when I've just wanted to make a moment happen, to make a music therapy moment happen. Um and it's usually when I'm not trying or when I'm just kind of surrendering these people to God, you know, just being like, you know what, I I don't always know what they need. I, I as a person can't always, I can't fix these people. So like I, I definitely rely on prayer. I rely on kind of the Holy Spirit to... <laughs> give me that inkling of, okay, this is the time, you know, go see this person. Obviously, I have to, I still carry out my normal responsibilities. I still try to see people as much as possible, but I would say that more often than not, I I feel like I get a direct kind of nudge, <laughs> per se, from, from God saying, be with this person, you know, and Sometimes I see the fruit, and sometimes I don't. <laughs> um, I think it's easy as a musician to kind of get consumed with the music and and maybe just kind of get stuck in this world of yourself and the music. And I mean, sometimes, obviously, with a band, you know, you have to think about other people. But I found that just through my prayer, like, I've, I've definitely made sure to always give my gifts back to God. Because this is, I mean, my voice, per se. I mean, like, yeah, I've had my my instruction, but I've had the gift of my voice since I was really born, and that's something... I can't even grasp the reality of, like, this... I didn't get the, I mean, there was no way that I could have grabbed this. I was just given it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's... It do, It is easy to get caught up in the ego part of making mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. I think probably pretty easy for 
people who definitely are composing and songwriting mm-hmm. but yeah it's also like a communal thing too you have to think about the other side of who's listening to you and how are they I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with that, but... <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, no, I, I would agree. Um, it's... Yeah. If there's anything I've learned from my experiences in my job, it's that Angela does not know best. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to listen. You have to kind of be open, you know? Open to what you don't know. And that can be very humbling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I have been, yeah, humbled time and time again, but yeah, I don't know. I shouldn't go on a tangent right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, well, we next have question. <laughs> next question from Pete. Okay. Have you ever considered heavy metal music therapy? <laughs> oh, Pete. <laughs> of course he would say that. Yeah. You know, I think it's for other people. <laughs> Pete, if you really want to do that, you can. Um, I think it's definitely a way that some people find a release i don't and i don't think the residents at the nursing home would be although one time a heavy metal song randomly came on and i have no idea how but it must have been in our music library on it was like on the on the ipod and I'm like, what is this? And it's come on before, like a couple times. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so. Well, I'd like to hear some of your own music. Okay. Um, if you'd be willing to play yeah. a tune. Yeah. I'm trying to think what what ones, but um, well, just to have a happy song in there, because um, unfortunately, I mean. I used to write a lot of uh, sad music, but it always turned out hopeful, of course. Um, but I don't know. I guess that was just a part of my soul I needed to get out. <laughs> yeah. Until uh, I remember one day my sister's like, oh, you just you never write any happy music. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'll try. So um, my friend Melissa and I, the one who I've sung with for about like eight or nine years, I mean, and been friends with for that long. Her and I wrote this song one day because we were like, we just need to, we just need to write happy music. So it's called Sweet Happiness. <laughs> Sweet happiness is all you can have with me.
That's a really nice sign. <laughs> I like yeah. that one. Yep. <laughs> so, what's going on exactly in the lyrics? Like, is there a structure to the verses? and Yeah. Like the... It's kind of just talking about these fairy tale kind of ways of thinking. You know, you're only going to have happiness with me and nothing's ever going to come between us. You know, whatever it is, whatever happiness we're talking about, if it's between a person and a person or if it's between a cat and a dog, you know, it's like, um, it's just kind of, it's talking about that in the verses and then gonna rain, gonna rain, gonna rain with our love. So basically saying, as long as you have love, nothing's gonna, the fire, there might be fires all around and you can't see the ground and there's, you know, all will be lost, you think, but we're just going to rain with our love and, and kind of clear away the fire. Um, Another song? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, I think I'll do this one. This is called Little Bird, and I actually wrote this about a friend. And I just, I wrote it from, I remembered this image of me sitting across from her at a coffee shop. And she's just like, tell me about you. You know, like, tell me about your life. And, and she just seemed so happy. And I, I wanted her happiness. And I, at the time, was not happy. <laughs> Um, and it didn't seem fake. And that's what really got me was, okay, she has something I don't, and I want it. <laughs> and, and I kept meeting with her, um, for coffee dates and, um, her name's Jenna and, and the name Jenna means little bird. <clears throat> Stop. Oh. 
Daddy's here for me. He brings mercy and freedom. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's really so. nice. You have a great voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I like those melodies in there, too. Thank you. Do you have any lyrical tips for people? Lyrical uh, tips. Or songwriting tips? Yeah, songwriting. Um, it always helps to kind of look at other musicians, like a musician that you just love their music, looking at their lyrics and seeing, oh, you know, what did they do here? And that's one way of just being able to see how a song can come together. But then also realizing that your own structure of words and style are unique to you and they don't have to fit in with just this stereotypical has to be catchy kind of song (laughs) you know it's Mm -hmm. like um for me I started with poetry I mean when I was really young I I wrote a lot of poetry and it was things like uh I walk through the door and I hit the floor and whatever, <laughs> you know. I I played soccer game with my very best friend named Lane or I don't know. So it's just getting getting the rhyming, getting practice with rhyming can help, but also not every song has to rhyme. And then find an instrument that you find you can express the best with I guess um for me it was always my voice um I had influences of jazz musicians when I was younger like Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and I just I absolutely loved singing jazz I still do that's probably my favorite genre but um and then I imitated them I just oh that's what like Ella would do and I'd try to imitate it but also not getting stuck in one instrument I think helped me be able to write my songs even better I mean I started with voice but then I've learned piano trumpet guitar djembe you know like just having those different influences of different instruments help enhance your main instrument um yeah and then always being ready to have your voice memo ready on your phone and Mm -hmm. (laughs) recording whatever you sing or whatever you play um i have garage band on my ipad it was like a five dollar app or something like that and um and just going back and you don't you don't have to go back i mean i went back just to try to rewrite my songs and such but Sometimes it's all just about the experience in that moment of writing that song. And even if nobody ever hears it, like, it's it's so valuable. It's so... Because it's you. It's it's a part of you. That's something I, I struggled with in the way beginning. There was a, a summer where I wrote, like, 13 songs. Like, just got them all so, out. Because I had... I mean, it was a very... I had just had a very I mean hard breakup we'll just say that one um and I kept thinking okay I need to make an album or I need to 
perform these at a cafe and I just didn't have the confidence or I didn't have the resources or the I didn't know a lot of musicians then and so I felt very discouraged at first because I was like well what what are these songs for then you know why why did I even create them and then I realized no I created them because I, I needed to I had to get this out of me and be able to see myself as beautiful that's what really each song that I've written I've been able to be like wow that part of me is beautiful so that and I love that part of me so that even just helps me love myself more see myself as beautiful more that's a good point to get to Mm -hmm. I don't think I would look back at my songs and (laughs) say that about my my songs but um Yeah. yeah but probably and that's that's a good sign that you've gotten to that point. Yeah, <laughs> very true. I mean, and it could be different for you. You know, it's like the things sometimes that we struggle with the most, like, could be helped by this songwriting process. So the something I struggle with the most, confidence and beauty and, like, loving my own self. That's what I've gotten out of my songwriting which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so it's like, yeah, what What are you getting? What What do you get out of your songwriting? I mean, yeah, do you, well, you write some songs? Yeah, I do. Um, and I, I am happy with the songs I write, but mm-hmm. I guess they're not to a deeper personal level okay. at this point. Mm-hmm. So maybe once or twice I've gotten to that point. And, oh. But... Um, I'm a person who comes up with the music first, always, pretty much, and then has to find some lyrics that will work with the mood. (laughs) So, yeah, so they're more like mood pieces for the most part. That's interesting. And I mean, I'm sure they're reflecting some part of my psyche, but... (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody, and even my style, it's like... Some people might not be this, want to write this deeply, I guess. Or, I mean, it's not even depth. It's more of, like, these are the things that I focus on in my life or, like, that naturally come to me. And I think it's really, I mean, songwriting is really about being natural. Um, With my songs, I never wanted to get into anything that would bring a person listening to them to an idea that I, I didn't want or like um, or like bringing an inappropriateness or anything like that. So I I constantly would actually ask Saint Cecilia to pray for me. <laughs> she was my my patron saint for confirmation, but I'm um, just to keep my music pure. I wanted my music to be pure. Um, to never have it be a song that hurts somebody but only brings them to hope. I mean, it might deal with difficult issues, but, like, to never be in a way that condemns a person or judges a person. So I've definitely always had a purpose Mm. with music, and I find it hard. I used to find it hard to write a song without purpose. So, like, for instance, Sweet Happiness. That's where I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so weird for me. I don't know if I can sing this song because it doesn't have purpose. But then... Once I brought it to the band, the Mandos, and realized that even if the song didn't have a purpose, but then 
as like a group, it was there to just connect us. That was a purpose in itself. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't quite met anyone who has a very focused like purpose to their song or like mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But that's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pete would laugh at this, but even even in our like process of everything. I remember at one point he was like, are you sure we want to be a band? Because that means kind of, that's kind of like committing in a relationship. And I'm <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's not that big of a deal, blah, blah, blah. But then after a while, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's true. Um, because you have to like, I don't know, you have to accept everybody kind of for their strengths and weaknesses and deal with different personalities or whatever. But I also was thinking about our band and like okay what i mean besides having a lot of fun you know you know what's gonna be the purpose or i mean are we gonna ever perform or like i just struggled with that (laughs) until we set a gig and then i felt yeah and even the fact that the gig was for like a good cause that like especially warmed my heart yeah (laughs) yeah well i I'm starting a tradition on the podcast. Mm. Um, after episode 100, my mm. guest, Mitchell Johnson, who had this suggestion that each guest ask the next guest a question, and they have to answer. So <laughs> so his question, not knowing who I would be interviewing, uh-huh. is of any songwriter or musician that you could collaborate with, Past or present, living or dead, who would that be and why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want any of the people in my life to get an ego, so no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to have to do two answers to that question again. Because I, I feel like I need to do a dead person and a living person. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know... I, sometimes I wish I could have been Ella Fitzgerald playing with Louis Armstrong and um, I mean singing with Louis Armstrong and, and just having him just that duet because there's so much character in, in their voices and in their interactions with each other so probably Louis Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, and then now I would say my friend Melissa I mean, she she and I, we have a musician relationship that... I mean, we have a great friendship, but then we have a musician relationship that's just, like, a gem. I mean, you think dating is hard? Like, finding, <laughs> you know, like, finding your hu- future husband or wife? But actually, I think musician relationships are difficult. Um, and her and I really... We could finish each other's sentences. We didn't even have to communicate fully what we wanted next it just it just happened we could play off of each other really well I really value playing off of each other I think that's why I like jazz so much too because you know the trumpet goes and you go and it's just I mean that's where I get my ideas I mean I can't just do it alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah cool do you have a question for someone else in the future of this podcast? Mm-hmm. Well, 
I might as well ask something that's uh, similar to what we were talking about before. Um, do you find that your music has a purpose? And mm-hmm. in what way? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I'll be curious so, to hear what people say. Yeah, I'm going to start listening to this podcast, too. So <laughs> yeah. that way I can, I can hear, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I have another tradition on this podcast, which mm-hmm. um, is that I ask guests to come up with a short little intro theme for their episode. A um, short little intro theme? Like, like, like yeah, music-wise? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw you write a song on the spot at that concert, <laughs> or come up with one anyways. True. I think, what was it about hot dogs or squirrels? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm usually good when somebody gives me a topic. <laughs> okay. Um, Give me a topic. Composer quests. Okay. The jingle. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Angela Johnson. If you're thinking about going into music therapy and have more questions, I can put you in touch with her. Just email me, charlie at composerquest.com. I'll leave you now with another one of Angela's original songs called Run With The Waves. Freedom awakens me.
Thank you.